The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. So where to start with all of the football with Tony Cascarino and Miguel Delaney, the chief football writer of The Independent. I suppose, Tony, we'll start with the FA Cup semi-final. I mean, how unfortunate do you think were Brighton not to get to the final? Or can we say that Manchester United... Well, to be honest, Matt, I thought that Brighton were the more braver of the two teams. And, you know, we all know that Man United have, have meant to have a certain way of playing. I thought Brighton had the initiative most of the game without creating too many chances. I thought that they just... Well, weren't as clinical, and I just didn't quite get that last pass right, Matt, in the game. It it wasn't, you know, what you'd expect. Brighton have been a very good side, Matt, for quite a number of months now, and uh, adventurous, attack-minded, and they just couldn't break. Um, you know, I've got to be honest, I thought Lindelof was as good as anybody on the pitch for United, the heart of their defence alongside Shaw, and they just nullified Brighton's attack. But it's surprising watching Manchester United be very, very ordinary. And there's still, you know, it is an improving club, Matt, but there's still lots of work at Old Trafford to be done. Yes, indeed. Although, Miguel, I suppose it isn't worth noting is that the penalties were exceptionally good with the exception of the one Solly March missed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I must say, I was slightly surprised at Solly March's penalty, given that it felt like all the, uh, I mean, all the penalties it took were another product of how scientific Brighton are about everything. And even though most of the penalties were directly into the corner. Also the fact that it felt like they kind of outfoxed the game. Like it looked like after the initial one or two would still beat them. They were going low to the bottom right and the game was getting it wrong every time. And obviously we know he's not got a great record of penalties. So maybe that was slightly surprising about the nature of Sonny Marshes. But then I suppose this is the other aspect of penalties. I mean, obviously the, the logic is to prepare, prepare, but there's still the possibility Something like that can happen. We're going to talk on Wednesday evening at length ahead of the big game between Manchester City and Arsenal in the Premier League. But we have to make mention of Arsenal on Friday night, Miguel, now because three draws in a row. And although it was a stirring comeback from 3-1 down, 2-0 down, 3-1 down against Southampton, to not get the fourth, wow, just how much of a blow is that to Arsenal? Well, that's it. And especially with uh, with Trossard hitting the bar, with that late chance, uh, I mean, it could have been a penalty as well with Party uh, and Jesus and kind of try, trying to get the, the, that final touch on it. Um, and you could feel it the, the, the second the final whistle went. It was the, the stadium went from, I was at the game, and it, the stadium went from this raucous atmosphere of expectation, demanding that this late goal go in that could have been transformative. And said it just immediately went silent and you could feel it. And of course, as you say, we'll talk about it Wednesday, but... Uh, all builds up to that now. That that's that's basically what their title comes down to, which mightn't have been the case if they got that winner. But uh, it's hard not to feel. I mean, and this is the news that's pretty much been confirmed today. That for all we all the talk we had about Gabriel Jesus and Odegaard and Saka, I think Saka was brilliant on Friday. One of the few Arsenal players that stepped up in that way. The most important player this season might well be William Saliba because he's really affected the defense. What is it? Nine goals since he's been out. Seven in the last three. And if you, it also feels like a lot of this has been kind of sparked by the way Mikel Antonio just went for Rob Holding in that game. And I wonder against City, will Arteta move uh, Ben White back across to centre-half? 
Yeah, it's an interesting point though as well though, all, uh, Tony, all the names that Miguel mentioned there are really young players. I mean, even Odegaard is a very young player and he brought the game to Southampton at the end. Saka was excellent. So even if Arsenal don't do it this year, they would seem to be well primed, don't they, for future years with the youth of that team. Yeah, Martinelli as well, Matt, give him a mention because they've got legs and you know, they can pick a front three at Arsenal knowing that they can cause things problems. That's clearly the case. I mean, watching both teams from at the end of the end of the game, Matt, to their knees uh, was, you know, it's just a devastating for Southampton, the two points dropped. It feels like, I just look at Arsenal, they've started to make individual mistakes from, you know, Thomas Party when he played against West Ham, getting caught on the ball when they were 2-0 up, just on the front of his own, edge of his own box by Declan Rice, get a penalty. And I feel like they're making mistakes, Matt, which you can't do. And, uh, you know, Ramsdale, early part of the game, literally passing the ball to Southampton forward and he finishes it off. And, you know, I just feel they cannot make these individual errors. By the way, these are by the experienced players. These are not by, you know, the youngsters that you just talked about, Matt. It feels like the experienced players are... Look, Matt, no, Jacka didn't play, uh, obviously, uh, on Friday night. Uh, hopefully as well that he might have an opportunity to be in back. But there was a... I still think, man, if you think of the history of Arsenal, there was two big nights in their, in the, you know, their, their title-winning teams that they've had. Wilford scored at uh, Manchester United and 1-1-0 when they, they went to Old Trafford having to get a big result. They did it. Arsenal did it in 89 again, went 2-0 at Anfield. You know, can they put in that type of performance? I'm not so sure, and I'm like Miguel. I would be really concerned because Arsenal like to push their full-backs on and go, you know, the two centre-halves against one. Haaland, don't give him space. You know, if we saw the other semi-final against Sheffield United, although they lost 3-0, they were determined not to give any space to Haaland, which is a high-risk strategy, because if Arsenal go down that road, Matt, I can see definitely him getting on Haaland, uh, sorry, on holding and causing them problems at the back. OK, let's talk about Tottenham. Bit of a debate, Miguel, here in the office as to who's worse at the moment, Tottenham or Leeds, to which I'd say to the Tottenham fans, well, at least you're still going to qualify for Europe and you're not hurtling towards relegation. But at the same time, given the expectation levels, just how humiliating for Tottenham was it to get thumped like that at Newcastle yesterday, 6-1? Oh, I mean... Is that one of the worst 20 minute spells we've seen in Premier League history? I think Leeds have uh, a few of them in there as well they could throw in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's statistically, it's the second time City were 5 0 up against Watford a few years ago after 19 minutes. But that's Watford against City. There's a significant difference. This is supposed to be, I mean, this was supposed to be a Champions League playoff. And instead, Tottenham go and do that. It's remar- I was actually on my way to Wembley at the time for the semi final. And, you know, getting the goal, I think this, that must be a mistake. But but no, um, it was absolutely remarkable. Caught up on the goals afterwards, and just I mean the one thing I would say those five goals feel like really the end product of four years of bad decisions at Tottenham, um, and that even goes I'd say to before the sacking of Mauricio Pochettino. I think they made bad decisions in terms of the timing of how to of when and how to restructure Pochettino's squad. It's almost like they've they've never actually done that. Uh, right down to Levy's um, fixation on big-name managers. Uh, and it all caved in on this one miserable afternoon to the point now where we could well have another crisis point with the club because it, it, it feels like the uh, the stand-in is going to be replaced by a stand-in. All the expectation today is that uh, Stellini will go. Uh, Ryan Mason will again step up, as he did two years ago. 
And although, as Levy also tries to make a desperate attempt to bring in a manager with Nagelsmann, the big name, but at the moment, I feel it's a bit dubious. Uh, and it's it's remarkable. I mean, you go to Spurs, like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going there on Thursday for the Manchester United game. Again, a match that should have been a Champions League playoff, especially given United have had their own issues lately. And it's a magnificent stadium, one of the best in Europe. And yet, with the, the team within it now just feels a complete shell and a club that doesn't really know where it's going. Tony, two things to you in that. One, maybe Antonio Conte was right. And secondly, could this be the trigger for Harry Kane saying enough of this for a game of soldiers, I'm off, and that he has to if he really is ambitious about finishing his career by winning trophies? Yeah, well, Kane's a, a compound the problem, Matt, because I think it's going to be nigh impossible to keep him with whoever they bring in. I think he's probably realised that even with a great transfer window in the summer, this team is still going to be way off. I think defensively, Matt, I said it yesterday before the game, whether they play five or four, there's not enough good defenders in there. They were second best all over the pitch. And was Conte right to a degree, Matt? I didn't like his comments because I felt he did, you know, he talked a bit about selfish. I thought some of his comments were totally selfish on himself, really, about what he felt with the club. And I... I'm not, the club's become so toxic in many, many ways. And I've got a sneaking feeling, I don't know, Matt, but I would imagine, and it should have happened, it all kicked off in the dressing room at half-time as well, Matt. I've got this feeling that I've been there myself when it's been a really bad of You go in at half-time, Hugo Lloris doesn't come out and they say there's an injury. I can't believe that team went into that dressing room and if they sat down and they listened... I, I imagine it was more like they all stood up and all voiced their anger at each other. And probably one of the reasons why Lewis didn't come out was because there was a problem in the dressing room. And by the way, there should have been one because the way they played and watched the game, I thought it was eye-opening, Matt, of how bad they can be. And it's just disjointed everything at the football club. You know, people comment on Mike Ashley as an owner at Newcastle and you know, what he's done. Joe Lewis has stayed in the Caribbean, has hardly ever seen at Tottenham. He's an accountant to run the football club. And with that, Matt, no sporting director. You just go on and on. No manager. You know, the captains ended up coming off for whatever reason they tell us it was due to injury. You know, he was a World Cup winner. You've got Harry Kane, the leading goal scorer. Another issue with him. You know, they, they don't let goals in the forward line. Yet, this club is... I'm, Matt, I've said all year, they're in a false position. Even when they were fourth, fifth or sixth, that team is not much better than mid-table. OK, let's talk about the bottom of the table because we've got five teams down at the bottom within five points of each other and they just seem to want not to take points because you've got, despite Southampton's great draw at Arsenal, they've only taken two points in the last five games. Forrest have taken one from the last five. Everton have taken three points via three draws. Leicester finally won at the weekend. First win in five games, they've taken three points. Leeds have taken three points, having lost three in a row, having won before that. Leeds against Leicester tomorrow night. I reckon, Miguel, if Leeds don't win this, they're done for. It does feel like that. The, the only thing you could say about Leeds from that is that this race has already proved so changeable. And because it's so close... That one result out of nowhere, even if it's a relatively lucky result, can suddenly transform your own outlook. In fact, Leeds are proof of how quickly it can change. Given that three games ago, I think I was on the show praising Javi Gracia. I mean, that, that is one thing, though, that is um, quite striking with Leeds. And that when he came in, it felt like he had a bit of an immediate effect and managed to impose a bit more defensive structure. But in the three games since, it's as if basically 
it's suddenly become apparent that these players just don't work to that structure. Especially, I suppose, there, there have been players that have been, that have been brought to a hard-running style under Bielsa and Marsh. And maybe there's a bit of a mismatch. But either way, it's, it was alarming just how quickly they regressed. I mean, the, the, way, the, the way everything caved in from the Crystal Palace game. Uh, and the, with the way Leicester won at the weekend, and with that kind of canniness of Dean Smith, um, I have to say, I, I wouldn't be too, too optimistic for Leeds. Matt, sorry to say. No, for no, you. I'm not. Tony, do you think Leicester surely have too many good players to go down? And now that they seem to have at least a little bit of organisation to them. Yeah, well, no, Madison, Matt. But you've got one big oak, Matt. One big oak. Mark Lawrence has still been shot by <laughs> well, in fairness, Everton can't win a game at the moment either. I mean, they're just picking up the odd point here and there. But given that they can't score goals, would you expect that with under Dyche, at least they'll scrap and that this is where Leeds look toothless. They look like they weren't prepared to fight. And they have players like the utterly useless Weston McKenney, who doesn't look like he wants to be there at all. That at least teams like Everton will have players led by Seamus Coleman who'll fight when he's fit. Yeah. Well, Matt, there's a few... I mean, look, on Saturday, you left a bunch of full-backs out, but Fur, Furpo and Aileen are, you know, certainly Aileen's been a good servant for over the years, but he, he decided to change it around a bit. Um, goal difference could come into it, Matt, as well. I mean, all them teams, you know, you just mentioned they're leapfrogging each other all the time. Um, one goal difference, and you've considered a hell of a lot of goals this season. So it's going to be down to the wire. I do think one team will go down with goal difference, Matt, as well. Everton, Calvert-Lewin coming back, you know, okay, 90 minutes. But they've done that all last year, Matt. Uh, Calvert-Lewin playing, the saviour for them was Richardson's goals at the end of last season. It wasn't Calvert-Lewin. So there's major issues with Everton. I agree with the Seamus, Tarkovsky, definitely great leaders um, in, in that side. Pickford, the goalkeeper, England captain, played really well at the weekend. I don't know if that's a good thing, but it, it certainly, he, he played really well. So all teams, Matt, down there have got a bit of an issue. West Ham winning as well in the manner they did beating Bournemouth. I, I just, I've always felt West Ham have too much anyway if they get going and uh, they certainly did that at the weekend. Not convinced Bournemouth are entirely out of a jet, but anyway, we'll talk again later in the week. Thank you very much, Tony Cascarino and Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer with The Independent. The last word on sport on Today FM with Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.